It is no secret that the holiday season can be a difficult time of year. And that this year has been a hard one in many ways for many people. That piece the choir just sang says that the world is sustained by three things. By truth, by justice, and by peace. It sometimes feels that all three are in short supply. Even for those of us who look forward to this season with anticipation, the symbol of light and darkness may hold a particular poignancy and power this year as each of us grapple with our own unique mixture of personal challenges, health issues, family relationships, the practical requirements of daily life, political despair, global panic, and a mid-to-high-level anxiety at almost every level of our existence. And it may even be tempting to imagine that the light is something of an empty symbol as the darkness seems to grow more powerful and pervasive. Maybe the darkness wins, we may conclude. Maybe the darkness wins. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's all over. I am a science fiction fan, and I have mentioned in earlier sermons the classic Isaac Asimov story, Nightfall. He writes of a planet with six stars, six suns, which keep the planet illuminated at all times so that the inhabitants never experience darkness and have thus never seen the stars in the night sky. Scientists exploring their stellar system find out that one of the suns experiences an eclipse every 2,049 years when it is the sole light in the sky resulting in a brief night. The planet will experience darkness. This doesn't sound like a tragedy to us, but to a civilization that has never experienced nightfall, it rocks the very foundations of their society. Scientists and psychologists rush to prepare people for the experience of darkness. Religions predict a cataclysmic end to the world with the coming of darkness. No one can fully accept the experience that awaits them. And when the night falls, so convinced are they that the darkness is fatal that even the stars are described in the wonderfully melodramatic prose of the golden age of science fiction as, quote, 30,000 mighty suns seen through the blood-curdling blackness of the window shining down in a soul-searing splendor that was more frighteningly cold in its awful indifference than the bitter wind that shivered across the cold, horribly bleak world. Go in peace. (laughs) I'm not going to leave you there, I promise. I will leave the story there, but to say something of a spoiler, I know that things do not turn out well for this civilization. And to note that it was not the darkness that caused the tragedy to occur in this story, but the people's response to the darkness. Their fear of the darkness and their unfounded certainty that the darkness would never 
end. Novelist William Styron points out in his memoir describing his struggle with depression that people can put up with a great amount of pain if there is a certainty that it will be alleviated at some point in time. He writes, in depression, this faith in deliverance, in ultimate restoration, is absent. The pain is unrelenting, and what makes the condition intolerable is the foreknowledge that no remedy will come, not in a day, an hour, a month, or a minute. It is hopelessness, even more than pain, that crushes the soul. Unquote. It is hopelessness, even more than pain, that crushes the soul. And I understand the inclination to feel hopeless. And it is certainly not my place to tell anyone how to feel. But I do want to say that as a congregation, folks, we are about hope. It is not mentioned explicitly in our mission, deepening connections by nurturing spiritual growth, practicing justice, and inspiring joy. Hope is not mentioned explicitly, but the only reason to have a mission like that is if those things matter. And if we are saying those things matter, we are saying there is hope. This is not cheap hope. This is not keep on the sunny side. Let a smile be your umbrella. A smile's just a frown turned upside down hope, but a hope that is not afraid to face the darkness, knowing that darkness, while inevitable, is not final. A hope that does not rest on particular outcomes or triumphalism, but on the much sturdier understanding that we are connected and that whatever the outcomes of our efforts, what we do and how we live matters. This is a hope that we cannot always be expected to carry individually, so we carry it as a community, some of us holding it, while others despair, knowing that someone else will hold it when our own stores of hope are depleted. Songwriter Holly Near sings, I am open and I am willing to be hopeless, which seems so strange. It dishonors those who go before us. So lift me up to the light of change. Robin sang that here in this congregation. Despair is understandable, but to willingly remain in that place of despair is to dishonor those who go before us. To say, hey, all of you brave souls, those whom we know and those who are nameless throughout time, who provided what light we now have through your struggles, thank you for all your efforts Thanks for the sometimes unimaginable suffering you endured, for the seemingly insurmountable challenges you faced, for your unswerving dedication to a vision of a better world, for courageously striving to realize more love, more peace, more joy. But, well, truth is, it all ends here. It's just not looking good. It's too hard. You have passed the torch to us, the flame that you carried so faithfully, but alas, this is where it gets snuffed out. 
This is where we extinguish the flame along with all it represents. That, of course, is not what we mean to say. When you put it that way, it does seem a little strange, doesn't it? I can feel despair. Lord knows I do. But I am called to act from, as much as possible, I am called to act from a sense of hope. I can choose, as poet Adrian Rich put it, to cast my lot with those who age after age perversely with no extraordinary power reconstitute the world. I can choose to join with those who often against all odds carried the light, with those who chose hope, even though it may have been harder to bear than despair. I am called to keep the flame alive and to pass it along. The light inside each of us can light many more flames without being diminished at all. And that is the work to which we are called. The eight candles of Hanukkah proclaim our faith that freedom will not die out as long as there are steadfast and courageous people willing to uphold it. The lights of Christmas bear witness to the light of the world in the form of a child. The celebration of the winter solstice assures us no matter our conviction that the darkness is growing and will continue to grow of the light returning. The light will return. And if we are to be honest, it reminds us that the darkness will return too. Part of the terror experienced by the people in Asimov's story is that they were not acquainted as they never had the opportunity to acquaint themselves with the darkness. And thus they were overcome with fear and terror, which led them to respond in ways that created the very thing that they feared. Now, our modern world is flooded with artificial light, such that we rarely experience the darkness. I am sometimes surprised walking at night by how dark it can feel to me in the absence of streetlights right here on San Luis Obispo streets. And I wonder if this tangible way that we have lost touch with darkness mirrors a more symbolic sense in which we have denied or dismissed the darkness within each of us and all of us. It leads us to catastrophize when that darkness appears as we have assured ourselves that it has been somehow completely banished by our progress. Think again. As James Baldwin wrote, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. The light allows us to see, to find our way, it is true, but it can also create the illusion that we can see everything. We can make our way alone and that we don't need one another. And just as the flame of fire can be an agent of life or death, There is a way in which darkness, while sometimes frightening, can also offer wisdom, insight, and awareness that cannot be gathered elsewhere. Some things, like stars, can only be seen in the dark. For what are we, any of us, 
but strangers and sojourners, forlornly wandering through the nighttime until we draw together and find the meaning of our lives in one another, dissolving our fears in each other's courage, making music together and lighting torches to guide us through the dark. And in that spirit, at this point in the sermon, I would like to share with you a song that carries hope for me in the darkness and reminds me of the light returning. You will notice I didn't promise to sing it exactly, (laughs) but to share it as best I can with Mark's expert accompaniment. It is a song written by Loudon Wainwright III entitled The Middle of the Night. Into this pitch darkness we're hurled where there's not a glimmer of light. It's not the end of the world. It's just the middle of the night. And the blackest of flags is unfurled in all this absence of light. It's not the end of the world, good people. Merely the middle of the night. The middle of the night. That's what this is. If death is the real test, this is just a quiz. When gray creeps through your window, it will be daylight. The end of this darkness is almost in sight. Into a ball of fear, you are curled holding on with all of your might. But it's not the end of the world, dear siblings. It's just the middle of the night. In the maelstrom of your mind, you are swirled. You're almost down the drain, but not quite. It's not the end of the world, my family. Rather, the middle of the night. It's the middle of the night when you fear everything, but the birds will awake soon. You will hear them sing. You doubted you'd make it, not sure you'd survive. Well, now you're dead tired, but you're still alive. Around fate's fickle finger, we're twirled. Small wonder we're all so uptight. But it's not the end of the world, good people, merely the middle of the night. No, it's not the end of the world as we know it. It's just the middle of the night. Thank you. We light our lights this season to remind us that the darkness, however powerful it may seem at times, does not overcome us. That there always remains within humankind a spark of hope that can be fanned into a light illuminating the path to a new order of freedom, peace, and love. We belong together. 
Love is what we need to love and to be loved. Let our hearts be open and what we would receive from others, let us give. Let each one of us faithfully tend the light that we carry and remember always to let it shine. Please rise in body or spirit and join in singing number 118 in the gray hymnal, This Little Light of Mine. <laughs>